to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. A little later in the show, we're going to have a really interesting conversation with the author of a new book about the connection between civil rights and fast food franchise ownership. Yeah, you'd Absolutely heard that right. There is a really important and textured connection between civil rights, the civil rights movement, and the explosion of black ownership of fast food restaurants in urban communities. Marsha Chatlin, who is the Georgetown professor who wrote the book, is going to be with us to talk about that connection and talk about what it means for political power and what it means for dietary health in black communities. You are not going to want to miss that. That'll get started at about half past the hour. But first, recently, Representative Ayanna Presley revealed publicly that she has alopecia and that she has gone bald. Her Senegalese twists had become not just a hairstyle, but a powerful symbol that called to her power as a black woman serving in Congress. And it was a natural hairstyle, something that has inherent and social and political power for women of color. Now her hair is gone, and she decided to publicly reveal her baldness in a video op-ed for The Root. I felt naked, exposed, vulnerable. I felt embarrassed. I felt ashamed. I felt betrayed. And then I also felt that I was participating in a cultural betrayal because of all the little girls who write me letters, who come up to me, who take selfies with me, hashtag Twist Nation. And I thought of those t-shirts and I just kept revisiting them. And uh, I immediately knew that I was going to want to, when I felt ready, go public because I felt like I owed all those little girls an explanation. This is my official public revealing. I'm ready now because I want to be freed from the secret and the shame that that secret carries with it. And because I'm not here just to occupy space, I'm here to create it. And I want to be free. Wow, that was such a powerful message. And it calls back to the long history of pride, of power, of struggle and pain connected to hair for women of color. We want to talk a bit about that history today and why these issues are so important for millions of people here in America. And we've got two great guests to lead that conversation for us. Nanefwa Mumford is the executive assistant to the Washington Post editorial board, and she wrote an opinion piece this week that was titled, Black Women's Hair is Political. Now, Ayanna Presley's baldness is too. Uh, Nanefwa Mumford, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you so much for having me. We also have Nefertiti Harris, who is the owner of Textures by Nefertiti, a very popular hair salon, natural hair care salon right here in Midtown Detroit. Nefertiti Harris, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I first want to get both of your reactions to the Ayana Presley video that we just heard, the clip of that video. Uh, Nanefwa Mumford, we'll start with you. 
Great. Um, so for me, when I watched the video, um, I was really moved to write the piece um, because of her bravery and her honesty. Um, you know, I think it's such a cliche to say that you can't expect honesty from politicians these days. <laughs> uh, but I reject that. And uh, more than anything, when I watched that video, I saw a black woman being completely transparent and vu- vulnerable. And in that vulnerability, I saw strength. Hmm. Uh, Nefertiti, the, when, when you listen to that clip, mm-hmm. there's palpable emotion in her voice. And what what's powerful to me is that that emotion is not just about her and her particular struggle, but about the culture and how this plays out both internally and externally for women of color. Absolutely. When I hear that piece, you know, I've been in, I've been a natural here um culturalist for 27 years and I've had um, the salon here in Midtown 17 of those years. When I hear her testimony, I think about the millions of, of, of African women brought here um, in restraint that had zero control over their bodies and the one thing they thought they had control over <laughs> was the crown, yeah. their hair. And at the end of the day, they, they, they struggled to control that. They had makeshift combs. You know what I mean? Like that was the one thing that connected them to their mothers, their sisters. That was the one point of entry that, that, that they can maintain for themselves, you know, of intimacy was, you know, one woman doing another woman or another child's hair. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is so important. Uh, the hair for African-American women, women of color, it is a real thing. Yeah. Because it's really not just about the hair. It's about what the hair represents. It's about the respect. It's about intimacy. It's about the freedom. You know, the hair represents our moods, right? So mm-hmm. when Sister Ayala, Ayana is saying, listen, I want to be free. I want to be free of this. One of the things that black women do when we want to, when we want to be free of something, when we are going through any kind of emotional trauma, we cut our hair. Mm-hmm. It is very symbolic. I applaud her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God bless her. Uh, Nefwa uh, Mumford, I-, I wonder if you can talk about choice as it relates both to Ayanna Presley and to black women. I think one of the sort of ironic dimensions of her announcement is that essentially she has lost choice as it pertains to her own hair. She, uh, uh, she's she got a, a disease that, that makes it impossible for her to be able to grow hair, but at the same time, she's exercising tremendous choice in the way in which she's decided to deal with that and and to make it public that, uh, that, that she's dealing with it. I, I thought that was a really interesting kind of twist to the story. It is. Um, I, I think two points there. Um, yesterday on Facebook, I actually had um, a mother of an eight-year-old girl who has alopecia um, talk about what the video meant to her and her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just reminded me that Congresswoman Presley uh, can now be a role model for so many young people who deal with this order. Um, and this is a community that spans race, gender, background, class, you name it. Um, and so I just want to you know, I don't think that we should minimize or forget about the power that her image now has to this broader community. Um, and then as as far as choice, you're exactly right that she has lost some level um, 
of choice as far as how she presents herself to the world. Um, but actually, one of my favorite parts in the video um, is towards the end when she talks about all of the uh, different wigs that she has selected and all the different styles that she has to choose from um, and tr watching her um, process um, those choices and be very open um, and honest about um, how she's internally processing um, her own journey. I think that it was just very beautiful um, and it was very fun to see how, you know, she has choices that she can make in her hairstyle similar to how, you know, I choose how I can wake up and show up to work every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Nefertiti, talk about how baldness fits into the conversation about hair and hairstyles. Mm -hmm. uh, it is not it is not unfamiliar to African Americans, of course, or African American women. Okay, well kinda forever. We got a whole movie celebrating that. <laughs> you know, it's about power. It really is. You know, the fact what what we what we are viewing right now is oh is a woman that really is representing her learning, you know, embracing her her power. Baldness mm -hmm. is is not is not foreign to African American women. Yeah, it's not. Now it might not be the first. It's not the first choice <laughs> for sure. But because it's not foreign to us, we you know we still have a chance to em to embrace it. You know, to 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 be beautiful with it. You know, to be swaggish <laughs> with it, right? It's to a very, hinder our heads. Yeah, it's you know a very I mean? bold. It's a very bold statement. It's so bold. Uh, you know, even though this is not something she chose for herself, the the photos of mm -hmm. her uh, mm -hmm. without hair are very bold, stylistic, and beauty statements. Right. I think. Um, right, but it's but it's also that way because this is what she's emanating. She's emanating this from the inside out. You know, and so this is her journey. We're watching her journey from the inside out, not the other way around. And so that is one of the things that I encourage women uh, 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 to do in, in, in our salon space all the time. The hair is just, for me, it's just a medium. It's a part of, mm. of a much larger. A much larger conversation. Yeah. A much larger story. I just kind of use the hair. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just an entry point for me to get into what's really going on with the person that's sitting in front of me. Okay? And then from there, we, that's, that's where the cultivation begins. Mm. Uh, I wonder if you can talk about Detroit in particular mm -hmm. and hair culture here in Detroit, mm. which, yeah. of course, I mean, I grew up here, too, and, and have female members of my family, which means <laughs> that uh, black hair, black women's hair was a part of growing up here in Detroit. And I've spent many, many, many Saturdays <laughs> at the salon, uh, Rudell's yeah. salon over oh, yeah. on Dexter uh -huh. uh, with my grandma or with my mom or with my sister. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there is something different, though, about Detroit and, and hair mm -hmm. uh, that I've mm -hmm. always thought is important and important not just to us, but important to us speaking to the rest of the world. Yeah, because because it's about relationships. Listen, listen. There's church and then there's a salon. Mm -hmm. Okay? Pretty much in that order. <laughs> right. That's right. Those are <laughs> the two mean, things. It's really what it is, right? So so for us in Detroit, but I would imagine not just Detroit, but particularly in Detroit, you know, hair 
when when we're when when we're when we're doing our hair in salons or wherever, we are engaging in storytelling. Mm-hmm. We are engaging in relationship building. You know, and so I always say, you know, I always call Detroit, you know, city, country, city, <laughs> right? right? Be, because this is because Detroit is really family. We're really, we're really close knit. You know, we, we, you know, we travel in clans here, <laughs> right? And so the hair, the hair culture is, is different because everybody has their own hair clan, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 they have, you know, around them, their own church, right? That um, they attend. So many variations, you know what I mean? Straight, natural, whatever it is, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. We embrace the women. Women here embrace all of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it starts with uh, a relationship. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And my guests are Nanafwa Mumford. She is the executive assistant to the Washington Post editorial board. She wrote an opinion piece this week titled, Black Women's Hair is Political. Now Ayanna Presley's Baldness is Too. Also with us is Nefertiti Harris. She is the owner of Textures by Nefertiti, a very popular natural hair care salon and spa right here in Midtown Detroit. We're talking about uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley's announcement that she has alopecia and has gone bald, which is a real contrast to the Senegalese twist that we had come to sort of associate with her look. Uh, We're talking about the political and cultural implications of hair in the black community and particularly as it pertains to black women. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us whether you believe that hair and hairstyles are political, that they should be political. What's your reaction to Representative Ayanna Presley's decision to embrace her baldness uh, that has resulted from this medical condition? We especially want to hear from you, of course, if you have a similar story yourself, whether you're a woman of color dealing with the decision to go bald or not, or if you're someone who has a medical condition or disease like alopecia or cancer that can result in your losing your hair. We would love to hear your story. As always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, before we get to listeners, Nanafwa uh, Momford, I, I want you to talk a little about your own journey with hair, which is something you discuss a little in your piece. Sure. Um, so I, I think that my hair journey, well, I th- would like to think that it's unique. I don't think that um, it is necessarily um Growing up, I was in a blended family. I have two half-sisters and two half-brothers, but I was the only one um, that looked like me, had the skin tone that I did, had the hair that I did. Um, And it was very important growing up for me, um, for my father, that I have natural hair. And uh, on the south suburbs of Chicago, both my white and black classmates teased me for it. I would wear my hair in braids and in ponytails, and I had barrettes, and um, it was colorful and it was exciting, and I would change it all the time. But it still didn't lay the same way as other people did, uh, people's hair did, um, and it wasn't relaxed. Um, and so, all through junior high and leading into high school, I begged my mother for so that I could get a relaxer. Um, eventually, she relented, and I was miserable. Um, Going to the salon every six weeks, you know, getting the the relaxer, having my hair burn, having your scalp burn, um, 
it was painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, you know, in, in college, I've realized that, um, well, one, getting my hair done in the middle of Ohio uh, was a bit difficult at the college <laughs> I was at. <laughs> finding um, someone who knew what they were doing. Finding someone right? who knew what to do. Um, and finally, I wanted to own my own identity and my own hair. And um did the big chop as so many women do um, and started to wear my natural style. And even since then, um, I've experimented with my hair, wearing it curly sometimes, cutting it, coloring it. Um, And so my journey is continuing and it will continue um, for as long as I have it. Uh, It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful story. And, And the journey there, I think, is something that a lot of African-American women and African-American men, for, for, for that matter, can relate to this idea of changing norms and expectations that other people have about your hair uh, is something that I think uh, all of us have, have experienced at, at one time or another. Uh, I, I want to get to Adrian in Detroit, who has uh, a, a story that I think is really strongly related. Hey, Adrian, go ahead. Well, I, this is what I want to say, that in the RE, I think she puts it best when she says we are not out here, that it gives you freedom, whether no matter press, perms, um, or natural. I lost mine when it was over-processed, but it grew back. But it also says, you know, I have choices. The choice is that I can embrace how I look, or I can cover it up with a wig, which is only covering it up. It's easy to embrace what you have. Mm. And I want to leave this comment. There are a lot of black women who will not swim, won't go to the mm-hmm. gym. It all depends on that hair. Mm-hmm. So, again, I say you are not your hair. You have to set yourself free and decide what looks best on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, Nefertiti Harris, what's your reaction to what she's saying? I hear this all day, <laughs> all the time, all the time, you know. Well, well, okay, so what I don't hear is you're not your hair all the time. What I do hear is... I have I hear comments like, well, I don't know what my husband's going to think about my hair. Well, I don't know. I don't know if my church members are going to accept me. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of apprehensive, a lot of validity in, you know, how women feel. Right. And I just continue to, to encourage them to be free. Hmm. Yeah. And so I walk through, I, you know, I, I, I take their hand and I slow walk them you know, through this journey of freeing themselves from whatever image they are imprisoned by. Yeah. Uh, Ava on Twitter says, leave people alone and their hair alone. Isn't (laughs) character the more important issue? Let's not seriously spend time, more time on insignificance. I I, I can totally relate to that. But I I also think that in in the African-American community, it is that as you were saying, Nefertiti, hair is not just about <clears throat> visual appearance. It is not just about beauty or standards. There is mm-hmm. this incredible cultural connection that unfolds around hair. There's and a sanctity about around, about our yeah. hair. This, you know, it, because it's sacred. Because we, because we innately understand the importance of the crown. Even though we don't really verbalize that, you know, we, we don't really articulate it that way, it's in our blood. Mm-hmm. We understand there's something sacred about the head, okay? And so that's why it's just, it's just in our blood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in our blood. Uh, for Mumford, I, I wonder if you can talk some about the, 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 the judgment that, that comes with 
hair and and the judgments that that other people sort of foist upon women uh, I think that's what Ava is getting to here this idea that that somehow your hair is not as important as other things about you I, I think a lot of people can relate to that but again it, it does look different for African Americans and African American women Sure. Um, you know, I think that hair, as we've said, it's always going to convey a message. And now that message can be very subtle or it can be very deliberate. Um, and those messages can also be misinterpreted. So, for example, if we think about, you know, the origination of, well, not the origination, but when the fro, afro became very popular in the 60s and 70s. And this was um, a way for some people to reject European beauty standards. Um and now today, some people may see that same hairstyle and mis uh, misinterpret it as conveying that same message. However, that's not always the case. Sometimes it's just easier and healthier for your hair right. to wear it as it grows out of your head. Absolutely. Um, so how we wear our hair determines how we interact in the world around us, for better or for worse. So as long as it carries that power, it's going to be political and it's going to be mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about hair, black hair, and black women's hair. Stay with us, and stay with us on the phones. Ryan in Detroit, Joanna in Detroit, we will hear from you next as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Today on 1019 WDT. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining. My guests are Nanefwa Mumford, who is the executive assistant to the Washington Post editorial board. She wrote an opinion piece this week titled Black Women's Hair is Political. Now, Ayana Presley's baldness is too. Also with us is Nefertiti Harris. She's the owner of Textures by Nefertiti, a natural hair care salon and spa. Right here in Midtown Detroit, we're talking about Congresswoman Presley's announcement that she has alopecia and has gone bald. Uh, the politics and the cultural dynamics that surround that announcement and the discussion about her hair and her baldness. Uh, what do you think of those things? Uh, are you somebody who thinks of hair as either a political or cultural expression or uh, something that is... Uh, sort of bathed in a cultural relationship for you. Um, what do you think of what Ayanna Presley has said about her baldness and her choice to come out and be public about what has happened to her hair? Uh, we want to hear from you, especially if you have a similar story, something that has happened to your hair that was out of your control and how you responded to that. Uh, whether you're a woman of color who's dealing with the decision to go natural or not, or if you're somebody who has a medical condition or a disease like alopecia or cancer that, of course, can result in baldness, we would love to hear your stories. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and leave comments there. We'll try to work them into the conversation. Let's go to Joanna in Detroit. Joanna, 
Welcome to Detroit Today. Well, good morning, my favorite, favorite, favorite everything. Oh, thank you. Mr. <laughs> Stephen, God bless you, darling. I know it's been a while, but I'm going to try to be as brief as I can. Yeah, Stephen, go ahead. Because you know I'm a bottom line. <laughs> that and is I'm true. I'm also first a black queen. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you understand? That's right. I do. And of course. I, so I detest this mess all the time about black hair Yeah. and about I don't like this. And I don't like it. And I get, well, it comes all the way, first of all, from loving yourself like you are. If you know anything about our African wonderful, beautiful history of kings and queens and embrace that, besides looking around and seeing people that look different from you and you want to be like them and all of that and, and drawing that in, you would stop this ridiculous mess. I have a white goddaughter, Stephen. Mm -hmm. She's part Polish, Russian. Uh, uh, she makes me laugh. She say, Mama Joe, don't try to explain it. I'm some of everything. <laughs> but you know what she says? What makes me love her so? She said, I know you, Mama Joe. She say, I know you get sick of and tired of hearing these black gals talking about their hair. Mm. And, and these wigs they're wearing makes them really look ridiculous. And I agree. She said because they don't know that their power is in their hair. She's talking about black women, dear. Mm. And she's absolutely correct. Because if you know about history, our history, Egyptians way back from biblical, the, our hair <coughs> is our crown. That's our crown. And they're meant for ornaments, beautiful ornaments, beautiful, just luxurious things. But when you look over at somebody else and think this is the way it's supposed to be, then I say it and say it, bottom line, you're very stupid. <laughs> you're very stupid because I've never wanted to be anybody but Miss Joanna Carey. Right. You hear <laughs> me, right. honey? We wouldn't, we wouldn't want you to be anyone else either. <laughs> uh, of course, I really appreciate your call and uh, the comments. Uh, I'll give our guests a chance to react. Nana, Nanefwa Mumford, uh, go ahead. Sure. Um, I would just say that within the black community, we are as diverse as the number of stars in the sky and the colors in the rainbow. Um, and so there's no one way to have black hair. Um, it doesn't manifest itself in the same coil for one person as it does in another. Um, and so I, I, I just want to be very careful that we are embracing the diversity that is who we are. <coughs> Um, and recognizing that somebody might have straight hair, natural hair, um, and that's beautiful too, and they can own that. Um, just as same way that somebody that has a tighter coil or curl or no hair at all can also embrace and love and enjoy that too. 100%. Your hair is like a thumbprint. No one else has your thumbprint. That's just you. That is just you. So you can embrace all of it. You can love all of it all of it yeah. there is no judgment at all yeah. and so yeah. that's where the freedom comes in right that's the freedom mm -hmm. conversation it's you love you decide what you want it right to be. yeah let's go to ryan in detroit ryan welcome to the show hey, hey good morning steve and good hey. morning to your guests um uh, first i wanted to say that uh my mother actually uh went bald when she was going through cancer treatment and actually called her and told her to listen in today so hopefully she can chime in and tell her story mm. but uh what i wanted to do was give a perspective of of a black male um it, this is not just an issue with black women mm -hmm. um 
we we literally have kids who are trying to uh, be athletes and they are being uh, pushed to the side or asked to cut their hair before a wrestling match to uh, participate just because their hair is locked or their hair is long. There's literally a college prospect who was told if you have locks, we probably will not you know, offer you a scholarship mm-hmm. or offer you a chance to play here. Like that that's absolutely ridiculous. This is this is who we are. We can't change it. Well we can change it, but literally this is the way that our hair grows out of our head. There, there there's nothing wrong with it. And I understand that when there's a dominant culture, they of course uh, would like to have assimilation. But that <coughs> assimilation doesn't assimilation isn't the spice of life. Like it's literally the most boring thing ever. Yeah. Well and how just, and, and how can you assimilate your hair? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, that that, that <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it, it, it's sort of this weird concept, although I know exactly what you're talking about, Ryan. And, and you know, I have been, for the last uh, couple of years, actually, growing out my hair for the first time in 30 years, <laughs> mostly just to see as I reach the half century mark how much of it I actually have left <laughs> and uh, how long I'll be able to grow it out. Yeah. But it's really interesting what people's reactions are to that. I get all kinds of interesting questions about why all of a sudden I have hair or why all of a sudden my hair is a little longer than it was and sometimes not as as neat, I guess, as, as people would want it to be. And I, I keep saying I'm actually not trying to say very much. I'm trying to figure out uh, whether I'm going to be able to do this much longer and whether I'm going to go bald. But, but <clears throat> it, it, it is a reminder of all of those reactions that I remember from when I was younger to what my hair was like and whether my hair was neat and whether my hair was cut the way everybody wanted it to be. It, it, it is an African-American thing as much as it is, it is an African-American female thing. Right, right. Well, this is also, this is about the, the, the conversation about assimilation, right? And politics, you know, this is, and, 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 and so this is why our hair holds so much power. It just says so much. It, 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 <clears throat> it elicits a, a certain kind of reaction, right, to so many, so many people. So, what, to those, so you know, uh, so what, what the gentleman is, is, is speaking about in terms of athletes being forced to mm-hmm. cut their hair mm-hmm. and all of this, you know, I, I've, I always, I mean, I understand why, but I also thought that there were some laws being formed against that. To stop that, to stop people from happening, from being able to do that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would just say that um, you know, if you look at the effort and the energy that goes into trying to create laws, rules, restrictions on how we wear our hair, oh my God. I think that is just confirmation of the power of That's it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I think that it only reinforces how important it is for you to feel comfortable mm-hmm. uh, with your hair. And owning that, because in owning your hair, you are owning your own power. Absolutely. You're owning yourself. Okay, I would love to continue this conversation all day <laughs> with uh, my two guests and with the listeners, but uh, we do have more show to get to. So, Nanefwa Mumford, Executive Assistant to the Washington Post Editorial Board, it was really great to have you here with us on Detroit Today. 
Thank you so much. And I just want to say that Detroit is very uh, near and dear to my heart. I have to give a shout out to my entire Sims family that's out in Detroit. Uh, we go, you know, go back every year for Thanksgiving growing up. So oh, really? um, I love Detroit, love the community there. Um, and I really do thank you for your time and for having me on today. Yes, it was really great to have you with us. Thanks very much. And Nefertiti Harris, owner of Textures by Nefertiti, is always great to catch up with you as well. Thank you so much for having me. And to to be continued. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay, up next, we're going to talk about a new book that looks at the surprising history of McDonald's in the black community and what it has done to health, wealth, and civil rights. Really interesting conversation next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. 